0: Welcome back to Plane Crash Diaries with me, your host and pilot, Desmond Latham. And I was expecting to continue with the planned series, but I'm afraid the world has changed in the last few weeks. Needless to say if anything has to be done right now, it's to understand what may happen to commercial aviation in the future. Some airlines are close to bankruptcy. Others are being bailed out. Most have cut back on operations and are considering their next moves. There's a lot of politics, a lot of economics and not a lot of physics happening other than gravity dragging the revenue curve sharply down. Let's see if we can make sense of what's going on internationally, and in the next few minutes in this podcast I'm going to make an effort not to inflate an already disastrous situation by too many adverbs or pronouns. Words like catastrophe, apocalyptic, or disastrous. As aviation is all about numbers, we need to take a close look at the sector and understand just who may survive and who may not. Because commercial aviation is literally the lifeblood of modern business, flying globally is going to continue after this virus has been defeated. However, things are not going to be business as usual after the pandemic passes. I've been attending webinars where IATA, the International Air Travel Association, has been briefing us about the latest in the coronavirus-affected aviation sector. I've been reading the Professional Pilots' Rumor Network and receiving daily updates from various aviation sources, along with the Official Aviation Guide, or OAG. My own flying has been cut. I'm grounded, as here in South Africa we are on a strictly enforced lockdown and most domestic flights have stopped, while all international flights in and out have been shut down completely. Let's start with the present situation and then we'll move into the possible future scenarios. This is somewhat different to my normal flow, but these are abnormal times, folks. The OAG reports a number of stats which are literally jaw-dropping. Firstly, let's take a close look at global scheduled flights year-on-year. The big losers are Singapore, Italy, Germany, Spain, Hong Kong, UAE, and France, where there's been an 80% or worse drop in year-on-year numbers. Lost revenues are numbers that are almost unfathomable: $252 billion likely to be lost in the aviation sector in 2020. I suspect. The United States is eventually going to have to stop domestic aviation entirely, at least for a month, because harsh shutdown is the only thing that can slow this pandemic. As I write this, United Airlines has announced it's cutting most of its flights to New York, where the coronavirus has laid waste to the state. IATA's Alexandra de Juniak, during a media briefing on COVID-19 at the end of March, used phrases, I thought I'd only hear at a time of war. The situation remains grave, as we have said before in these calls. The dimension of this crisis is beyond anything that the industry has experienced, he said. In his words, the sector is hemorrhaging. As he pointed out, when 70% of your business vanishes overnight, there's no amount of cost-cutting that can fill that gap. On Tuesday 14th of April, the official aviation guide, OAG, said... 5 million more scheduled seats were removed by airlines around the world for operations in April and May, the lowest week of capacity cuts since the 16th of March. That's in addition to 58 million seats that have been taken out of the market each week as airlines seek to find a way through the COVID-19 crisis that's crippled the industry. The one part of the industry that continues to operate at a higher capacity is cargo. They are struggling to meet demand, and of course, many of the planes flying today are not designed to carry cargo, so retooling these quickly is very difficult. Vital medical shipments are making their way across the oceans, but the heavier goods have to travel overland and by sea. Some airlines are being creative and mounting cargo operations as charters, and some are removing seats or even loading cargo amongst the seats. Fortunately, aviation authorities are willing to waive some regulations to enable these changes. But there's no escape from the quarantine where aircrew are being delayed, operations are further hampered by the fact that 14 or 21 day lockdowns are enforced just about everywhere. World governments are now under increasing pressure to come to the rescue of their national businesses, including aviation. In some places, aviation bailouts are taking a back seat to basic health needs such as buying masks, gloves and hazmat suits. Kind of makes sense. The United States announced a $2.2 trillion package that includes $50 billion for airlines and their employees. Colombia, Singapore, Australia, China, Norway and New Zealand are also among governments that have taken specific relief measures. De Juniak said a few others, including Brazil, Canada, Colombia, Italy and the Netherlands, have also addressed a key weakness that has emerged. That is, who is going to refund the tickets already paid? At least $35 billion is needed just to cover that shortfall, so those with flight insurance are going to be clamoring for payouts. Canada, Colombia and the Netherlands have decided to allow airlines to issue vouchers in place of refunds. This will enable airlines to preserve the cash that they need to keep cargo operations running and preserve their ability to be fully operational when we can safely restart this industry. Then think about the insurance and reinsurance industry. Global reinsurance giant Munich Re has withdrawn its profit guidance for 2020 as a result of the significant macroeconomic and financial uncertainty caused by the COVID-19 pandemic. The reinsurer stated that during the opening quarter of 2020, its Property Casualty Reinsurance Division experienced considerable claims burden from losses relating to the impacts of the ongoing and worsening outbreak. Munich Re notes that the majority of the claims expenditures from cancellation and postponement of large events. In what surely must rank as a fairly tone-deaf comment, Munich Re said on April 1st, 2020, and it had to be on April 1st, that it only anticipates profits in the low three-digit million euro range for the first three months of 2020. I think the PR company that generated that comment is apparently unaware of just how this virus is going to plague us across the world and for how long. Munich Re is going to restate its earnings within a quarter, and the update will be shocking. In its comments it says, The reinsurer continues to add that regardless of capital market and loss developments, its solvency ratio remains comfortably within the optimal range of 175% to 200% of the requirement. Munich Re, though, has shelved one of the more contentious plans for this year, a share buyback scheme, and says, The implementation of the 2020-2021 share buyback program announced on February 26th will be discontinued until further notice and until there is greater understanding around the actual claims burdens arising from COVID-19. You would imagine that Munich Re has a pretty clear idea given its business about various scenarios that could play out in the next quarter or two. The latest developments on the insurance front are not satisfactory. By April 2020, reports began circulating in the Wall Street Journal, amongst others, of airlines refusing to reimburse passengers. Travelers have run into hassles, with airlines refusing to refund cancelled flights, pocketing millions owed to consumers, and charging some fees even when they publicly announce they are waiving them. Some of these stories will make your hair stand on end, even if you own shares in Boeing or Delta. Let's spend a minute looking at the specifics, if you please. A spokeswoman for the Department of Transport told the Wall Street Journal that they are aware of consumer complaints regarding airlines' refund practices during this crisis and said we're reviewing the issue. She declined to comment on what the issue would lead to. Officials at two airlines say DOT have been calling airline regulatory compliance officers to inquire about these policies. Some airlines believe their schedule changes are their choice under law, meaning they must keep offering refunds. American airlines went further and, while offering refunds, experimented with enticing customers to take vouchers, instead by offering 20% bonus on the value of their credit. The Wall Street Journal also reported in late March 2020 that 30 international airlines, including Lufthansa, Air France, KLM, Emirates, Scandinavian, Turkish TAP Air Portugal, WestJet and LL all blocked travel agents from issuing refunds on tickets through global reservation systems and then informed Airlines Reporting Corporation that's the central processor of tickets issued by travel agencies that refunds can only be made by the airlines themselves. That looks remarkably like a concerted effort. I know from personal experience that Qatar Airlines has refused to refund, preferring to postpone the ticket to a date in the future, One of my loved ones was due to fly from Chicago to South Africa and now has a ticket for November. No money back. Sorry for you. United Airlines is issuing vouchers toward future flights and telling customers they can get a refund later if they don't use it. United also changed its policy on domestic schedule changes to make it more difficult for customers to get refunds. This is despite the United States Department of Transport regulations which require airlines to honor the rules in place When a ticket was written. But they're not alone, despite the airline industry finding itself recipient of $15 billion of taxpayers' moolah. Delta Airlines has been charging some customers cancellation fees if they want their cash back. One customer was offered cash instead of a voucher if the airline kept $200 per international ticket. Another was charged $150 cancellation penalty after cancelling an early April domestic trip online, then told the only way to avoid the fee was to call the airline before cancelling. Playing games at a time of crisis may be financially crafty, but it's going to become a public relations disaster for these guys down the line. So here are some admittedly belated life hacks for those caught out by the new I-don't-care-about-the-customer attitudes. Don't voluntarily cancel your flight. Wait for the airline to do so, then you'll get a refund, not a voucher. If you cancel early, it's voucher for you. Get hold of your friendly airline by social media, email or phone. They eventually listen and put you on the important list because you're hassling them. And thirdly, file complaints with your local authorities. In the United States, that's the Department of Transport. Mr. Trump and his pals are in an election year and your bad experience could become Worse news for airlines, playing silly games with you. In one of my previous podcasts in January this year, I warned that the outbreak could turn into what happened during the Spanish flu pandemic of 1918-1920. And so, unhappily, I was correct. My pilot friends and I are in a pickle. That's to put it mildly. As people die in their thousands, including pilots, what future does the sector hold for us? As one said on the Pilots Rumour Network, that anyone who has entered into a flying career since 2010 or any pilot that is less than 5 years on a seniority list or 10 to 15 years on a legacy seniority list could be game over for them. Some of the younger pilots are saying they will likely never see the inside of a flight deck again. Some airlines continue to pay pilots a percentage of their monthly salaries, but that's not going to continue for very long. I've noticed many are starting to plan an alternative trade, and are quickly embarking on online courses. Can you believe it? This sounds extreme, but what else would you do? Pilots have been put on furlough for at least a month, but I think that's optimistic. This is a bit like a nuclear war. This is nothing anyone alive has seen before, except for the 107-year-old survivor of the Spanish flu, and commercial aviation was in its infancy then. Then look at 9-11, which was a tremendous shock, where airliners were flown into buildings that had an effect but it's a different scale this time. The aviation industry was quite different 20 years ago. Low-cost aviation was just starting out, and the effect of 9-11 was to accelerate special deals. Owners were saying, please fly, it's safe, here's a discount. By the spring of 2002, with no further attacks, people started flying again in droves. Demands stimulated by the low fares, especially in Europe, and by 2003, the industry was booming. During the financial crisis of 2008 and 2009, people carried on flying. They were impacted by money, not death. This 2020 challenge, however, is a deadly moment. Even during the banking crisis, profits were made by airlines. This time, airlines need bayouts. This is as different as chalk and cheese. For one, the heavy booking periods of June-July will have passed by the time even the optimistic scenario develops. It looks like a recessionary situation that will quickly pass into a depression economically. Furthermore, it's been aviation that has led directly to this virus passing between nations. As a pilot and lover of all things aviation, I must be honest. Globalization means traveling fast. The pandemic became global because we have aeroplanes and in some countries, poorly informed governments and leaders who are all about ego and know nothing about science. Think about that for a moment. Do you seriously imagine that after this, aviation will just continue as it was before? If you do, I suggest a course in Realism 101. We'll go and have a look at what happened in the Spanish flu. The scenarios going forward are very different to what we've analysed historically. Airlines are going to fail in the next few months. But strategically, aviation is crucial to any nation state's future. So what's likely to happen in the future? Let's quickly analyse these scenarios. First, those airlines supported fully by their country's political class will emerge at the end of this. Emirates, Qantas, Ethiopian Airlines, Qatar, British Airways, Lufthansa, United Airlines, Delta. They're going to survive. Secondly, Boeing will keep manufacturing aircraft because it's strategically aligned with the United States and the industry is too important to fail. It's like the banks of 2008, but we must recognize that the return journey to flight is rife with challenges. The new plane manufacturers emerging in China and attempts in Russia at competing internationally are going to find their planes scuttled for the next two to five years at least. Furthermore, should the airlines continue toying with passengers providing poor service after this experience and worrying about their quarter projections and share buybacks, they're going to suffer from a long-term damage done. The habit of share buybacks has been broken. All airlines in the world have been guilty of this and in the future. The pure greed that drove people to artificially raise the value of their share prices by using profits to buy their own shares at unreasonable value is probably dead, at least in the short term. The narrative of greedy share buyback owners and their senior pilots who are trying to squeeze the taxpayer at this point will backfire when it becomes apparent. Watch this space. When workers realize that the shareholders and selected executives have bought back shares at higher values than reasonable, instead of paying you staff more money, things in corporate land are going to sour. Fourthly, and horribly, most pilots I know are going to find that their jobs have dried up. They are going to get a certificate in IT or a related industry. We all need a secondary employment opportunity if we are lucky enough to have the skills when it comes to logic, maths and physics. And just lastly, I'm pretty gutted. As an obsessive, a compulsive aviator, a lover of the skies, what will it mean for us who feel the need to rise loftily above the here and now and to skid through the skies with the clouds as friends and the machine as wings? I was studying to become an instructor. I'm afraid this pandemic has doomed my personal plans. This is going to take years before we're able to lift our heads and say, Cleared for takeoff 07. Let's hope we all survive this existential moment and are around to enjoy the freedom of the skies. The next podcast will feature more about aviation survival and our return to accidents which have improved safety. As you'll hear, there are a few really unusual ones that need perusing. So until next time, for those still able, please aviate, navigate and communicate safely. Wash your hands. Stay well i